Where is my mind? Where is my mind? Where is my mind? As well as puzzling Francis Black, the lead singer of the alternative rock legends, the Pixies, for the past three decades or so, the question of where our minds are is one that has troubled philosophers for centuries and cognitive scientists for about as long as they've been around. Indeed, since about the same time Francis started putting the question out there, answers to this question have been at the heart of a couple of really important developments, some might even say paradigm shifts, within the mind sciences. The first development was to emphasise the role of the body in understanding mind, a development that has its roots in prior philosophies of embodiment, but effectively saw the advent of embodied cognitive science. If you decide to keep listening to this podcast series, you're going to be hearing really an awful lot about embodied cognitive science. But very briefly, for those of you who may not yet be familiar, embodied cognitive science is an approach to understanding mind and cognition, so things like perception, action, remembering, attending to, imagining, basically making sense of oneself and one's world, that says there's something about the body that's really fundamental to all that. Seems obvious enough, maybe. Well, it hasn't always been that way, and it's still not that way for some. And our everyday language about minds and cognition and so on certainly doesn't reflect this understanding. There are various takes on what exactly an understanding of embodiment should contribute to an understanding of mind and cognition. And we will be talking to representatives of these takes in this podcast series. But one take I like and that I think sets up the general trust of this podcast is the idea that mind is something that emerges in the relationship between an embodied subject and their world. But more on that point as we progress too. The second shift... It's what the philosopher Hannah Dieger has termed the intersubjective turn. The main development here is an emerging view that our minds are something that basically take shape and are maintained primarily in relationship with other people. When embodied subjects engage with their worlds, the most salient dimension of those worlds are very often other embodied subjects. And the shape our minds take then is accordingly constituted by and in relationship to those interactions. At this point, it's worth saying this is not just some philosophical speculation. And my own trade is that of a philosopher, so I don't say that disparagingly. There's very obviously a continuing role for philosophy here, something we might also consider in this podcast. But contemporary cognitive science is now able to consider what were once only philosophical insights in light of experimental techniques that enable really fine-grained analysis of things like multi-person patterns of coordinated behavior and patterns of brain activity. Embodied cognitive science, in other words, is experimentally supporting the idea, at least according to some interpretations, that when we are in relationship with others, we are geared into each other in ways that challenge the ideas that there are simple boundaries to the individual and that the minimal constituents of their minds are completely contained, isolated inside individual heads. But who cares? Why is this embodied social relational perspective important? Well, for one, it seems to support the claim that we need each other to be well, that quality social connections are vital, at least to most of us, to living a life that is really worthwhile. If our minds think identity, sense of self, come into being and are maintained in relationship with other people, 
This might go some way to explain why social isolation is so challenging or even detrimental to our health, or why solitary confinement is such a torturous experience for those who undergo it. Why else might this be important? It helps us push back, some suggest, against some rather undesirable ideas. For instance, the social Darwinism that gives us notions like survival of the fittest, ideas some would suggest underpin or justify much historical and contemporary imperialism, racism, sexism, and so on. Such notions depend upon a robust account of individuals as closed-off atomistic entities, completely separate from each other, separate from the worlds, acting in their own concerns. The emerging view is a much more relationist, connectionist view in which the separate individual is a kind of fallacy, a bias or a limitation in how we perceive ourselves and others. Interestingly, as we speak, there's a larger background of sciences also demonstrating that even the human organism itself is a collection of coordinating smaller entities. The microbiomes that help us comprise our mouths, guts and skin, they're not distinct from us as such, they are us. They are part of the stuff that we are made. If then we realize that we are more than just our brains, that we cannot be disconnected from our bodies, but that our bodies too cannot be disconnected from the smaller entities that comprise them, or the larger wholes of which they are part, we see that we ourselves are really, at the very least, an intersection of life that has been organized in such a way as to achieve some sort of individualized expression. There is some independence, yes, but it's inescapably dependent upon a deeper interdependence. Some suggest these are the kinds of insights that may eventually support the emergence of what one might call a planetary or ecological identity. Our well-being and the well-being of the systems that comprise us and that we help comprise become obviously intertwined. With this recognition, the concerns of our communities and the planet itself become our concerns, and we begin, possibly, hopefully, to act with more congruence with the whole. If all this seems a little abstract right now, rest assured, one goal of this podcast is to inquire into these connections to see if we can actually make them clearer, more tangible. So who am I and why this podcast? I'm Mark Michael James. I'm a philosopher and cognitive scientist, and I have a particular interest in the social constitution of our minds. Right now, and hopefully for some time to come, I'm a postdoctoral fellow at the Embodied Cognitive Science Unit at um, the Okinawa Institute of Science and Technology on the beautiful island of Okinawa, Japan. And here at the unit, we're interested in all kinds of things. We have scientists and philosophers working on questions of consciousness, learning and creativity agency, normativity, habituation, embodiment, sociality, digitally mediated interaction, design, and on and on. My job as a philosopher in the unit is to attempt to bring some unity to the insights emerging from our experimental work and to situate our efforts in relation to larger societal concerns. Personally, I'm particularly interested in how we interact in digital spaces and ultimately how we might do that in a way that supports genuine, meaningful, quality social connections. This podcast, on the other hand, is a space for us, for you and me, to dialogue with people who are each in their own ways concerned with our being connected and how we might do it better. Here we're going to connect with cognitive scientists, with sociologists, with philosophers, technologists, designers, artists, organizers, facilitators and activists. And we're going to try and get clear on the nature of our connections to each other and how they shape our lives. 
I admit to feeling somewhat the imposter in light of this task. I myself am neither smart enough nor witty enough to warrant your very precious attention, but I am, I think, curious enough and maybe stubborn enough to bring to your attention some people and the topics that do warrant it. If you Google Connectomics, the name of this podcast, you'll see that it's typically understood as the practice of studying and producing connectomes. These are fanciful, colourful visual representations of the connections in a biological system, normally something like a brain or an eye. The goal of this show, however, is to conversationally represent the connections that matter to living systems beyond things like brains or eyes, though they might be included in the conversation. But really, we're interested in those connections that are far too messy and complex for any visual representation to capture. Those that connect us to each other and us to the world around us. Interestingly, the suffix omics has its root in the word om, which refers to the unified whole. Om is the sound, it is said, of the connectedness of all things. On this show, we're going to be asking questions like, and this is really just a random sampling in no particular order, what exactly is the role of the brain in cognition? What is the role of the body? What is the role of interaction with others? What is the current state of the sciences that are investigating the nature of our social connections? How does the quality of our social connections contribute to our experience of well-being? And to what extent might so-called mental health issues be conceived as social phenomena? So addiction, depression, schizophrenia, OCD and so on. How might we design spaces and practices, physical, virtual or some combination of both, that support strong social connections? How should we conceptualize individuals and collectives in a way that does justice to the complex relationships that exist between them? For instance, the recognition that we are both socially constructed with the desire to be individually free. Can our educational, technological, cultural and ecological design projects be better informed by answers to these questions to help us realize better worlds? What is the value of embodied cognitive science? In essence, this podcast is asking how can we understand our connections to the world around us and how, with this knowledge in mind, can we then connect better with each other and with our worlds? And so this podcast is offered in the spirit of a certain type of connection, a fortifying cosmopolitan planetary solidarity in which we can both acknowledge our deep interdependence and celebrate our individualities. If what commentators across the board seem to be suggesting is right, that the existing economic and cultural order is failing, maybe that has something to do with the failure of individualism too. Maybe connectionism or relationism or intersubjectivism, or at least an adequate balancing dose of it, will support a new, more sustainable, more ecologically friendly order in the future. And maybe through our conversations here, we can help paint a clearer picture of what that looks like so that we can begin letting that future live through us right now. These are trying times and we need each other now more than ever. There's an Irish saying, Under the shelter of each other, people survive. We're in this one for the long haul and I'll be publishing a podcast with an invited guest at least once a month but hopefully more than that once my systems are in place. 
If what I'm saying tickles your fancy, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll not ask you for a review of the podcast just yet. But please do connect with me on my email at markmichaeljames at gmail.com or on Instagram at ecobehavioraldesigns. That's E-C-O-B-E-H-A-V-I-O-U-R-A-L-D-E-S-I-G-N-S. If you're interested in guesting on the show or know somebody who might be or who might be suited to be, please do reach out. Also, if you know somebody who might benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. I have some awesome guests lined up for our first few shows, so please do come back and join me for them over the next wee while. I will also be joined from time to time by some colleagues, either colleagues from here in the unit or elsewhere, to either co-host shows, should that uh, make sense, or to take over a hosting if, um, if they might be better suited to a particular guest or a particular topic. I can feel the connections growing already. We're on the right track, Slongafall. Until next time. <laughs>